Amen. All right. I have a very special introduction for you. Guess what? I am not speaking to you today. You guys are supposed to be like, no, Pastor Dennis, no. But don't worry, even though it's not me speaking, we have somebody who's really special. And if you do not know our brother Andrew Lee, you're missing out. Andrew Lee was a former member of Burning Tree Ministry. I got to know Andrew as a teacher at Epic. And I'll just tell you, man, Andrew was such an incredible minister already when I first met him. How many of you guys were his kids, were his students? <laughs> Andrew's amazing. So we are so glad that he's here. He's here from Chicago. He's a youth pastor out in Chicago. He's visiting with us this week. Andrew, come on up, man. We're so excited to have you here today with us. Go for it. Wow, amen. Wow, that's so weird. I, I really feel like we're like back in high school ministry, just everyone's uh, bigger, has more facial hair. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's such a privilege and honor for me to preach before you guys uh, today. Uh, I, I was just like an emotional mess, like in a good way, just like sta- just standing here and like Brandon and Jake are up here serving God. And, and, uh, and uh, there was a day where I was like, Lord, if you're real, then. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love this guy so much, but it's so exciting for me to be here, and uh, it's such a such a privilege for me to preach the word to you guys. Um, but if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Book of Mark, chapter ten? Got to say, I'm very happy to be in California. When I flew in, it was like 35 degrees in Chicago. And, uh, and I walked off the plane. I took off two jackets. I said, glory. <laughs> and uh, would you meet me in verse 40, 40 uh, 46. And we're going to read about the story of uh, blind Bartimaeus. And uh, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. (laughs) Was that you, Jake? (laughs) Mark Mark is the second book. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. All right. (laughs) Let me read read this uh, story for us, and then we'll begin. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Can we bow our heads and pray? Jesus, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity, God. And I never would have thought in a million years, Lord, that I'd be here um, preaching (laughs) anywhere, actually. But, Lord God, uh, the point of my message today, God, is that you don't use perfect people and that you don't use gifted people, that you don't use talented people, but you use broken but willing people. And so, God, I stand before you here, Lord God, not perfect, and I don't know everything about the Bible, and I don't have... (laughs) I don't feel like I have a lot to offer a lot of the time. But God, uh, just like you have been faithful all my life, Lord God, would you be faithful now? And would you use everything, God, that I've ever experienced in my life with you for your glory today? And I pray that you would move in power and that you will stir a hunger for the name of Jesus in this room. So we thank you so much. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Um, 
Again, my name is Andrew. You can call me Andrew. You can call me whatever you want. Uh, whatever you like to. I, I, but I go by Andrew. I'm just, just going to. Thanks for laughing, Jason. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but uh, uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a high school pastor out in uh, Chicago, Illinois, in the, in the suburb area right outside the city. And uh, it's very cold. I'm, uh, I feel like I was meant for Cali, but God had other plans. And uh, it's funny how ma many people feel called to California, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but sadly, it seems like no one feels called to Chicago, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but I, I'm here to say that I am called to Chicago, and I will be there as long as God allows me to be. And I will, and if there's one more person that needs to hear Jesus' name, I will be there. And, uh, and I've committed to that. But today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about faith and about a desperate hunger for God. Because I believe hunger for God is something that is so e it's, it's so easy to, to start, but it's so, it's so difficult to live in a daily walk. And that's why I want to talk today about how do we sustain a hunger for God? How do we have a hunger for God that lasts, that uh, last past retreat and past missions that, and more specifically, the last past you know, the Sunday worship. <laughs> you know, when we go home, when we go back to our schools, when we go back to our families, how do we remain hungry for God? And so I want to begin with a story that a few months ago, I got a chance, no, just last month, I got a chance to meet one of my biggest heroes in the world, Heidi Baker. <laughs> and I was so excited and so starstruck. And I remember going into this conference, and uh, it was in Chicago. And I remember... Um, I just heard that Heidi Baker was preaching the last, last service, and I couldn't make the rest of the, rest of the services because uh, I had church and stuff like that. So I, I went, and I was just looking around the room, and they were having downtime and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, where is she? You know, I, 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 I was like, where is she? I was just looking everywhere. The, and the people I, I, I brought, they, they didn't really know her. So, so I was just really excited on my own. I'm like, we got to find her, right? And I see this line of people just, just chilling, and I was like, what is this line leading to? And then, and then about th this close to, to the second row of chairs right there, I was like, that's Heidi Baker. <laughs> and, and I started freaking out, and I just got in line. I ran. Like, right, like, right, and and, and uh, I started waiting for like about 30, 40 minutes. This, this, line, is, this line is taking forever, and the service is going to start. And I'm like, I bet they're going to cut it off right before me. You know? <laughs> that's what happened with Todd White. You know? <laughs> super excited I was I, I was start freaking out. I'm like oh my gosh she's looking at me she could see me you know she she knows my sins you know and like, I, I, I started tripping out right and I, and, all, and then all of a sudden this uh, person comes up to me and, she, and, and he says uh and there's a woman and she comes up to me and she says sir uh where's your book and I said what book uh and she said this is a book signing line sir and I was like I was like, oh, I just, I just wanted to talk to Heidi. <laughs> and I was like, can I just ask her to pray for me? I, like, I, just, I just begged. I was like, you know, like, I'm just a local pastor, you know. And I just, I just I need some, you know. <laughs> I just need her to. And then she was like, okay, hold on, hold on, you know. And then she goes to Heidi. She's like, Heidi, like, we got, we got like, this young pastor. He wants to talk to you. And then she comes up to me. I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's her, you know. <laughs> and she just looks in my eyes. And she says, she says, yeah, like, Come up to the altar call. I'm gonna do an altar call for ministers. Just come up later. I wanna, I wanna prophesy over the, over you in the anointing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, Heidi. Just take your time. You know. She's like, I'm gonna remember you. That's, I remember your shirt. You know. I'm gonna. <laughs> and I was like, yes. You know. And, and, and this woman, this woman is so crazy. She didn't preach. She started ministry time as soon as she went on the stage. <laughs> And, and then she goes, she goes on the stage, right? And I'm like, okay, Heidi, I'll see you later, you know. And she goes on the stage, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she calls up two names. She's like, and, and like she's like prophesying. She's like, oh, this this man, this this woman, they come up, right? And then little did we all know in the entire auditorium, this guy got down on one knee and proposed. And Heidi Baker set it up. And I was like, Heidi, you're the bomb. You know, you're the best. You know. And then and then she's like, now. Now everyone, everyone stand up, right? And then, and then like this couple is like praying on their knees. Everyone stand up, right? And then everyone stands up. Say, if you're married, sit down. And then I found out that this was a singles altar call. And, I was, and all the married people sit down, all the singles. And she's like, she's like, we're going to pray for you singles. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh. But, but okay. But okay. <laughs> and, I, 
And then, and then she's like, couple, start praying for them. They start praying. They start praying and all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, she's like, now singles, open your eyes, look around. You know, like that. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then after that, she went to ministry time, and, and she got to pray for me, and I was, it was such an amazing time. And you know, like, when I meet my heroes in the faith, when I meet heroes of the faith, like, who, who have done crazy things for God, I get so excited. I, I, I get so stirred up because I know that their lives are like the living letter of the Bible. You know, it's, it's not just they preach it. It's not just they talk about it. It's like they live it out. And you know, over and over again, I look up to these people and even sometimes maybe idolize them. And I remember, I remember when I was under Pastor Dennis, I came to him every single week and I had a new prayer request. I said, prophesy a new word. <laughs> and I, I went into the next room and I was like, I, I want an altar call by myself, you know. And, and he prayed for me again and again. Because when you look up to somebody, you want them to pray for you. You want, them, you want to learn from them. You want to sit at their feet. And over and over again, I started to realize this, that when there was a man or woman of God with great power, with great faith, I wanted to learn from them. And I wanted to learn about what they experienced from God. Yeah. But you know, when I read Genesis, uh, not, not Genesis, Exodus chapter 20, I realized something so interesting. And in this passage, that Moses would go up to the mountain, and there would be fire, and there would be thunder, and there would be all sorts of st stuff like going down on that mountain because God's presence would come and fill that mountain. And Moses got to go to the glory of God and the people of Israel would watch outside of the camp. And they're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know? And then what they said to Moses in Exodus 20, he says, do not let God talk to us because we're scared. We're going to die. But you talk to us, Moses. And I, was, I started to realize that's how I treat so many men and women of God. That, I, that when I look up to someone's faith, when I see great faith in you, when I see great power in you, a great walk with God in you, I go to you and I want to sit at your feet, teach me everything, pray for me. But how many of you know that the beauty and the glory of the gospel is that all of us can go up the mountain? Can I get an amen? That you don't have to wait for someone to come down and ask them, what is your revelation? What, what, what do you have to teach me? What do you have? What do you have to speak over me? What prophetic word can you give to me? Instead, I go directly to God and he gives me the prophetic word. Come on, somebody. He gives, he gives me the word. He gives me the passion. He gives me the stirring in my heart. And he gives me everything I need every single day. And so, yeah, I still, I still look up to guys. I love you, Pastor Dennis. I love you, Pastor Dennis. And I still ask him to pray for me every time we see each other. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday we were at a wedding and uh, Pastor Sam Yang, who used, who used to be here, was there. And then uh, I took him aside after the ceremony. I was like, can you pray for me? <laughs> and, and they're like, hey, we're going to a reception. He's like, oh, hold up. <laughs> and I just had to receive real quick. And, over, and I started to realize that if God is here, if, God, if I can have access to God anywhere at any time, I want it all the time. I want it everywhere, you know. Like, don't tell me, like, I have to meet God at church. I can meet God in the parking lot. I can meet God in my room. And so many people, and I used, I used to get so hyped about retreat, and I still do, trust me. I still get hyped about mission trips. I still get hyped about revival nights. And I used to say all the time, I cannot wait until retreat. I cannot wait until missions. I cannot wait until revival. I cannot wait until this. But now, you know what I say? I cannot wait until I get home, and I can just spend time with God in my room. You know, and, and, and over, and I, I, that's my favorite time of the day when I could just go home and be with Jesus. Because why, why do I have to go to a place, why do I have to go to a person when Jesus is available to me? Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I say this with all honesty because you, we don't have to wait for the man or woman of yes yes I, I will still go to them trust me <laughs> you know like but we don't have to wait for that because Jesus is here and now you know the second greatest discovery of my life next to the fact that Jesus died and rose again you know was that God is always with me and when I discovered the person of the Holy Spirit and I'm not I'm not here to talk about spiritual gifts or anything like that but the person of the Holy Spirit when I realized who he was, and that he was a person, and that he is real, and that he lives in the believer, all of a sudden, like, I went nuts, because all of a sudden, I realized, are you telling me, are you telling me that I cannot go anywhere and not have God's presence? 
There is nothing, there's no cage you can put me in. There's no country or state that you can send me to. It could be the hottest day of California or the coldest day of Chicago. <laughs> but no matter where you send me, God is with me and I can encounter and experience him anywhere. And this was the greatest discovery for me. Because I was like, how come no one taught me about the Holy Spirit? I was so upset. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, it's, it's, the Trinity is not... Father, Son, and Holy Bible. You know, it's, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and how come no one ever taught me about it? Because so, for so long, I would go home after church and I would sin again. And the same exact things. And I would struggle with the same depression. And I would struggle with the same exact thing. But when I learned about the Holy Spirit, I could live a life that overcomes. I don't have to, I don't have to just come back to church to repent and bow before the cross and say, I'm sorry again. See you next time, Jesus. And I don't have to do that because if the Holy Spirit goes with me and is inside me, I can encounter him anywhere. Come on. Anywhere. Come on. Anywhere. And all of a sudden, this, this, this uh, it broke the logic center in my brain, you know. <laughs> so, something happened and, and my mind just broke, you know. And all, and all of a sudden, I remember being in BTM. And every single week, I remember no matter who was playing one, one, one guitar or the whole worship team, I was on my knees crying because I was like, Jesus, I just want you. I just want more of you. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it, it didn't just stay at church. All of a sudden, wherever I went, I could feel God's presence. And I remember uh, I used to be a Bible student. Any, any Bible people? Come on, somebody. You know, and and uh and when I was at Biola, it was getting hard, and, and school was stressing me out. And I remember I was in a poetry class. Any, any English majors in the house? Bless you. Bless you. But I was, I was in this poetry class, and I remember, like, I, I wasn't listening to a thing the teacher was saying. And I, I just remember I was just praying. I was just praying in the Spirit. I was like, Lord, I need you. And I remember, like, Holy Spirit, like a ton of bricks, just, just boosh. Like, and and I'm, like, I'm, like, trying to listen, but I just start... <laughs> and it got it got really awkward because I was like, um, "It's not it's not the poem, trust me." You know, it's, it's, and and, I, and then I had to leave early. And I, I don't know if you guys know uh, Ethan O'Neill, but he was at Biola at the time. And then he he saw me coming out of class. I was like, "Ethan, come here, come here, come here." And then we sat down on some chairs. And I was like, "I need you to pray for me right now." You know, and, then, and just in the middle of Biola, right, I was like, "Pray for me, lay lay hands," you know. And, and he's like, "I'm." And he's like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, Holy Spirit's meeting me. Come on, come on. Just pray, you know. And he's like, he's like, okay. And then he's late. Huh? He's like, oh, thank you. And he doesn't know what to say. I was like, oh, thanks, Ethan. And I walked away. And no, no. And I would be, I was in one of my classes. I'm just telling you a few stories that happened during the season. I was in, I was in one of my classes. And you know, like, when the teacher doesn't want to grade your paper, they make you grade each other's, you know. <laughs> Trust me, in English English classes that happens a lot, but 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 we I got I got in a group of three and they made us grade each other's papers and I was like okay whatever you know like I'm just gonna relax you know I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to grade the grammar or whatever and then I and then I overhear my partners just talking and I was like guys like you know I didn't say anything but I was like you gotta do your homework you know you gotta, we gotta do our classwork and then all, all of a sudden I overheard them talking about God and we're in this you know and I was like oh God you know <laughs> and, I, and, I, and all of a sudden, my ears perked up, and, and then all of a sudden, in that class, as quietly as I could in that context, I preached to them about the love of God for the next 15 minutes, and class was almost over, and then they were just like, <laughs> they're just staring at me like this, and in Biola, and I, and I was like, oh, okay, like, you guys did great, Here, here's your papers back, and I gave it back to them, and then when I got my papers back, none of they, they didn't change anything, they didn't correct anything, you know, but what they did, eat both of them wrote on the bottom, I was struggling in my faith until you talked to me. I was like, yeah, come on. You know? No, when I, when I first looked at it, I, I freaked out because I was like, no, you're, you're a biologist. You don't struggle with faith. You, know? like, you don't struggle with Christianity. You know, but, but they were saying, like, I, I, I've not been walking with God for so long, but your talk with us, they wrote that on my paper. And I was like, oh, it's like, I, I, just, I should post it on my wall, you know? Better than any grade I'll get, you know? But, but, no, no, and then all of a sudden, the presence of God would not only follow me to school, but follow me to church, would follow me to house church. Come on, somebody. And when I, when I would lead house church, and when I would lead small group, and again, I'm not boasting about myself. I'm just boasting in my good God. That whenever I, I led small group in high school ministry, whenever I led house church for BT, it, it was in this ministry. And whenever I would lead it, I, we did an altar call every single week. 
Where, where's uh, Tiffany? Tiffany, can you testify? Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I remember we had like seven people in, uh, in, in a guy's house. And I remember like, come to the middle if you want tongues. Come to the middle. You know, if you, and like, and, and, and like in our small group setting, I, I remember like there was three of us. Justin Chang was one of the, yeah. Where's Justin? Where's Justin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember there was like three of us. I brought in a cross into small group. And I, I was like, let's kneel down and we're going to bow before. You remember that? <laughs> and, and, and no matter where I went, no matter what I did, it was like God himself was there next to me. It was like nothing I did didn't have the presence of God. There was nowhere that I could go, nowhere I could hide. And all of a sudden, the words of David in Psalm 139 made sense. It's like, where can I go to flee from your presence? He's like, I try to hide. You know, you're there. You know, I, I try to get away. It's like, it's like, Lord, I don't want you to follow me into this place, but you're still there. And over and over, I start to realize that God does not leave. And God is always there. And if you call upon his name, he will always show up. And he, because he is near to those who cry out to him. And today I want to talk to you guys about hunger. Everyone say hunger. Because when you hunger, you become desperate. When you hunger, you are in need of something. You are craving something that, is, that, is, uh, that, can, only, that can only be satisfied by, by the thing that you desire. And when you hunger for something, if you don't quench it, if you don't satisfy it, you know, eventually you will die. And that is what happens with our, with our spiritual lives. Because so much of the time we hunger and there is a longing for more, but we silence it. But we suppress it. We quiet it down. And we say, I I'm going to put that aside because my friends don't like it. I'm going to put that aside because it's a little crazy. I'm going to put that aside. And I, I want to tell you guys how many times I've been accused of emotionalism. And just because of how I worship, and I remember my friend told me, like, I used to hate you when I came to BTM because you're all I heard during worship. <laughs> and, 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 and he's like, he's like, no, no, don't worry, we're friends now. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, thanks, you know. And then he would, he would tell me, he would tell me that. And I, and since the moment I got saved, when I was 13, I got accused of emotionalism because of, because I would just cry and I would, I, 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 I just, I just went nuts. And I didn't understand that logic because I was like, I was, because I was at a wedding yesterday when they were exchanging vows, we were all crying, you know, like, it's like, hearing Jenny Lee, like, say those words, I was like, oh my gosh, so beautiful, and then they, they exchanged their vows, and imagine me going up to them, and they're like, you're, you're just, it's just emotions, and they're like, yeah, because, you know, because we love each other, you know, obviously, you know, and I was, I was like, how can you possibly just dismiss my longing for God as emotionalism, because don't you get emotional when you love somebody? Don't you get passionate when you love somebody? Right, Jake? <laughs> you know, don't you get emotional? And, and I was like, just like they get emotional, I get emotional about God when I come to church. I get emotional about God when I hear the Bible be preached. I, hear, I get emotional when, when worship music comes on because it reminds me of my greatest love, Jesus. And I want to tell you guys that you can have that hunger every single day. You don't have to go to another retreat. You don't have to go to another mission trip. You don't have to. And unless you learn that, I'm going to tell you guys right now, you are going to leave this place. You are going to leave BTM one day because you have to eventually. <laughs> you know, unless you're Jason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 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 We were in BTM together. That's like a joke. But... But, but, one day, but one day you have to move on from this place. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you guys today, every single college ministry that I've ever seen, every single youth ministry I've ever seen, the people who fall away when they leave are people who never had a personal devotion to God. And all of a sudden it's revealed in the fire. All of a sudden it's revealed when you suffer. All of a sudden it is revealed when you are lonely. And everyone who has moved on from this place and to serve in a different ministry, uh, wh whoever it is, whoever you ask, they're going to tell you that they're lonely. They're going to tell you that they're discouraged. Can I get amen? They're going to they're tell you that it's difficult not having community. And they're going to tell you that it's hard to keep a staining fire when there, is no other, when there are no other people around you. So this is what I'm here to teach you today. That you can have a sustaining fire. And it's not in relationship with others. Yes, that's important. And you must seek that. But even when that goes away, your relationship with God must be the foundation of your fire. Must be the foundation. 
And so going back to the story, and I know I, I, that was a long intro, but I, I, taught, I wanted to share this story with you guys because Bartimaeus was a desperate man. <laughs> he, was a, he was a blind man. And you know, and somehow, like, because of life circumstances, he was out on the street, and he had to beg to make a living. And all we know about that is that his family isn't providing for him. He's some kind of pariah, and that's why he's, he's cast out, and he's, he's sitting begging for coins or, or, or whatever, whatever you have to give me, just get, give it to me. But then, but then he can't see, but he overhears. And day by day, he starts to over, like overhear rumors about a man named Jesus. And, and day by day, he's, they said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did this. Jesus, Jesus healed, healed the demon-possessed girl. Jesus rose the dead. Jesus did all these things. And he, he, he stored this up and he said, I have to meet this guy named Jesus. Because if there's anyone who could do something about my condition, it's him. And so he, all, one day, one day he hears a giant crowd walking by. And he hears the name of Jesus. And everyone's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, like autograph, you know, or whatever. You know, and then they're jumping around trying to get Jesus' attention. And he overhears the name that he's been longing to hear for so long. He overhears the name that he's waited for for so long. And he says, Jesus, Jesus, is that you? Jesus. And he starts screaming because he can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. He can't feel around. All he can use is his voice. And he starts saying, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And I love this next passage because it says people started to rebuke him. And re rebuke is such a powerful word. And, and you know, like I joked, I joked uh, to people who asked me what I was preaching about. And I was like, it's just rebuke, <laughs> you know. And, 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 and because rebuke is not just saying something is wrong. It's, say, it's saying that you are wrong. You know, it's, it's, saying that, it's saying that you are headed in the wrong direction. You know, it, rebuke, it, it, rebuke is such a powerful term. Because, and, I, and I was like, why would they rebuke him? Why would they rebuke him? And I realized that contrary to love, that there is a spirit of religion. Everyone say religion. religion. And religion makes up these rules that, that, that tells you how, how love, how the gospel, how God should be. You know, and, and, and the best way I can distinguish love and religion is that religion is when you know all the hows and all the whats, but you've, you have forgotten the why. And that is the best way I can describe religion because love gives you the why. Because love is the thing that makes all things easy. Love is the thing that, that allows you to go miles, you know, and it feels like just steps. You know, it, it allows you to go years with, with this person, but it just feels like minutes because of how much you love them. And love is the, subs is the thing that frees us. It, 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 it allows us to be who we, who we are meant to be in God's eyes. And, then all, and all of a sudden when I read this, I realized that the religious people, that not just Pharisees, not just Sadducees, but people around had such a religious spirit that when Bartimaeus, a man who needed Jesus, was crying out, they said, you need to be quiet because Jesus is busy. And G busy doing what? No, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, busy doing what? Like, why wouldn't he? And it's easy for me to say that, but in this context, I realize that the religious spirit caused him to say that Jesus does not have time. And I realized that, man, that, that oppresses us so much. That it, 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 it consumes our lives sometimes. That, 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 yeah, I was passionate about God and I had this burning love for God, but all of a sudden what started to happen when discouragement set in, when loneliness set in, when all of a sudden Christianity just got harder and harder, I knew what I had to do, but I forgot why I was doing it. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? And all of a sudden, I, I was just doing it. I was just reading the Bible because it's good. I, I'm, you know, I was a leader. I, I was like, yeah, no, Bible reading is good. Ten chapters. If, 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 you know, if you don't, you're, you're a sinner. You know, like, you know like, I, pray, praying is good. You know, worshiping is good. Doing good deeds are good. Serving is good. And I started learning all these things. And, and, and in my zeal, you know, I, I did it. But through discouragement, through jadedness, all of a sudden, religion came out. And I kept doing as I had been doing. I kept doing the things I did at first, but without the why, without the reason. And all of a sudden, my, my passion was extinguished. Because I kept doing the works. I kept doing the what. I knew how. I was so professional at Christianity. I could serve six, seven different ministries at this church. I could do all these things, but I forgot why I was doing it. Yeah. And I remember, I remember 
when God restored it. When God gave it, when God gives you your passion back, that's the most exciting feeling. Because all of a sudden, you start to get a flashback of all that Jesus delivered you from. Oh. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, I start to rem remember, this is who I used to be. This is who I once was. This is where I used to be in my life. And when you took me out, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And in this story, he ignores the rebukes. Come on, somebody. Come on. Just like we should eat. You know, some rebukes are good. Listen, you know, and when Pastor Dennis rebukes, you listen. But, but, but these rebukes were the rebukes of men, not from God. And these rebukes came, Bartimaeus again and again, shut up, shut up. You don't, you don't know what you're saying, Bartimaeus. Jesus doesn't have time for this kind of ministry. He has a, he has a, he has a higher calling. Bartimaeus, all the louder, says, Jesus, have mercy on me. He can't see. He, he doesn't know which way Jesus is. He doesn't know where to scream, but he's just screaming his head off because that's all he can do. And he says, Jesus of Nazareth, if you're out there, have mercy on me. And Jesus, Jesus says, bring him. And they bring him. And he says, what do you want? And Jesus knows, because one, he's Jesus, and, you know, it's, he could see. And, and, and he looks at this guy, and he says, what, what do you want? And he says, Lord, I want to see. It's so simple. I, I, I love these, like, that's such a simple request. It's such a simple prayer, such an innocent but desperate plea. It's to say that, Lord, I have asked everyone and I have tried everything that I could possibly think of in this world, but nothing in this world can give me my sight. And I just want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And he says, from that moment, it's all. I just want to see that once in my lifetime. You know what I'm saying? I just, and I'll say, Lord, if I see it once, I'll, I'll never doubt anything you say again. You know? And, 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 and in this story, Bartimaeus taught me so much about faith. And taught me so much about hunger. Because when you lock eyes on the subject of your love, it goes past religion. That religion cannot stop you. That religion is no longer an obstacle. Why? Because you always know why you're doing it. Because if Jesus is the reason for all that you do, even if you are discouraged, even if you are down, no matter what life throws at you, it does not matter because you cannot shake me. Because if I have Jesus, I cannot lose Jesus. If I have the Holy Spirit, I cannot lose the Holy Spirit. If I have his blessings and favor, I cannot lose his blessings and favor over my life. And I want to tell you guys right now that just like Bartimaeus, I want to invite you today to be hungry for the Lord. Can I get an amen? To be so hungry that whoever tells you to stop, you will not stop. Whoever accuses you of emotionalism, you say, I'm sorry, I must obey God rather than men. <laughs> you know, if they, if they accuse you of just, 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 you know, like you're just too passionate, you're just too radical. And I, and I, I would tell them, if you ever say that about the person you love, I, I, I'm so sorry for them. You know? and, and, I, and I say that because if I love Jesus, it has to be evident in my life. And it has to consume me and everything that I do. And I want to tell you guys that, that recently it's gone harder. And, over and because when I first moved to Illinois, I remember sitting the, like in front of the cafe like on a chair with Jason. I just cried. And then he was like, it's okay, bro. <laughs> I was like, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I remember, and, and, and I'm not saying how much I suffered or anything like that. But I remember being moved over there, and I drove three days. Um, Lord, and, and I drove out there, and I remember when the winter set in, I remember that I had no friends. I, I remember I didn't know anybody. And I, I started thinking, like, maybe the reason why we suffer sometimes is not because God hates us, but because God answers prayers. Because <laughs> when, you, when you say, I will go anywhere, he's like, okay. Simple, right? <laughs> and, he, and he's like, and, and then, you, how many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer? Uh, <laughs> and then, and then you, you say, I will do anything. He's like, okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, as I'm obeying, as, as I'm living these words, I used to only sing, come on somebody. As I'm living, as I'm living these words that I used to just pray, all of a sudden reality set in. And I was like, would I really do anything? Would I really go anywhere? And I remember as the winter set in, and the first time in like 12 years, I felt sub-zero temperatures. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, this is how I die. You know, like, and I, I, I remember I didn't have anywhere to go. So I went to church. I went to my office. And uh, I told some people this story. But I, I got down on my knees. Everyone left. Everyone went home to their families. And I was like, oh, see you later. <laughs> you know? And, and I, everyone went home. And I turned off all the lights. 
And for weeks and for weeks and for weeks, all I did was spend time in that office praying and crying to the Lord next to the heater. <laughs> and again and again, I would cry out to the Lord. I'll say, Lord, I know you have called me. I, I thought this is what you wanted me to do, but how come it's so hard? I would say, Lord, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this without you. And I would cry, and I would cry, and I would cry, and I would sing the same song again and again. <laughs> and and I, I remember that all of a sudden what happened as I did that, because I didn't have anyone else to go to. I didn't have a single friend. I didn't have anyone else who understood what I was going to, and I only went to God. And then all of a sudden, you know what happened? I got closer to God than I've ever imagined I could be. <laughs> and all of, a, all of a sudden, you know, and like people would tell me, like, it's been so long since I felt the presence of God. And I, I tell them, and, and, and I don't say this to boast, but I, I just tell them it's been so long since I didn't feel the presence of God. <laughs> and, and, and again, it's not boasting. I, 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 and, and people, and, and my students used to ask me, Pastor Andrew, how long do you pray? How do you know when to be done? You know, like, how, when can I go and play? You know, like, they used to ask me these questions. How, how long do you pray? And then I told them, I pray until I encounter God. <laughs> Simple as that, you know? Because uh, I was like, why would I leave if I didn't encounter God yet, you know? It's like so many, so many people say, I tried praying. I tried praying 30 minutes. I tried praying an hour. I'm like, that's it? You know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I pray like a lot. Pastor Dennis used to pray six to seven hours a day, right, Pastor? <laughs> and I, I kept that number in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to beat that. You know? <laughs> and, and, no, and, and I started realizing, why do we put a number on meeting with God? Why do we put any limits? I'm like, I leave the prayer room. I leave my prayer closet after I encounter God. You know, after he tells me what to do. Because isn't it, it, it's a relationship. And so, I, so what used to happen is I just go into this room and I tell them a bunch of things and then I leave. I'm like, that's your problem now. You know, but, but over time, over time, because I had no one to go to, a relationship, a conversation was birthed. And all of a sudden, he would start speaking to me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'd be spending four, like four or five hours just in a cold room and dark, you know. No, no one else is around. It's raining outside. I'm like, Lord, I literally have nowhere else to go. So you better move and you better come right now because if you don't, then I will die out here, you know. And I, I was just on my knees. And I, I, I remember lying down in bed because I was so exhausted. And I just, I just prayed for four hours. And I was like, Lord, I still don't feel you. And, and it's, it's, re it's really hard when you're doing this by yourself. And I just remember lying down in bed and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit touched me. And all of a sudden I started crying for the next three hours. <laughs> I was up until like 1, 2 a.m. And I, all, all of a sudden, like I would, I would see pictures of just my students in my youth ministry. I would, I would, see, I would see people in my life, my family. I would, I, I would see, and all of a sudden I felt so loved. And when I finally fell asleep after many hours, I, I was so relaxed because I knew God was with me. But how many times do we give up so early? Because it gets hard. Really? Like, because, because it gets discouraging? Because you have to go somewhere else? Because you're too busy for God? If you're too busy for God, you're too busy for power. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy for joy. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy for love. And if you need these things in your life, then you need to get down on your knees and be with God. So that he can give it to you. Because if anyone else, if anything else is your source, it, 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 will, it will mess you up eventually. But if God is your source, then no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you're with, you will always have the fire inside of you. And so finally, I, I, I want to say a point that I'm really excited about because it's something I realized that in my, in my time in ministry, again, like I was saying in my prayer, God doesn't use people who, because they're gifted. God doesn't use people because they're good looking. You know, God, God doesn't use people because they have all the talents in the world. God uses people who are willing. God uses people who are on their knees. God uses people. And I have to explain this a bit, but God uses people who don't know any better. <laughs> and I say that because, because when I look at Bartimaeus, when I look at people throughout the Bible that Jesus encountered, that Jesus met with, I realized that they had one thing in common. They had nothing left. <laughs> they had nowhere else to go. They had no other avenues. They had, and they didn't know enough to be religious. 
It's, it's not even that they didn't want to be religious. Like, I, I'm sure they would have loved to be like, like the Pharisees or like to be like the holy people or like to be like the, the righteous people or whatever. But these people came to Jesus because they couldn't. They just couldn't. You know, sinners came, to, like uh, tax collectors, uh, people, people in sexual sin, like all these people flooded to Jesus because they're like, we have exhausted this world's resources and there is nothing left. I have, the, the, you know, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years said she had given all her money, her entire life, spending it on doctors trying to solve this problem, you know? And, and she's like, I have nothing left. But I, I hear this guy as a healer. You know, the sinful woman in uh, Luke chapter uh, yeah, Luke chapter 7, well, you know, like, came in front of a Pharisee's house, went down on her knees in front of everybody, you know, poured, broke an alabaster jar of perfume, the most expensive thing she ever owned, you know, and she pours it on Jesus' feet. She gets her hair, starts crying, and it's kind of weird, you know, but, but she starts crying, it's beautiful, and it, it's, it's weird because, all, cause, cause I, I, because she, it's not like she thought this through, but she's just worshiping him, loving him, crying, and washing with her hair. And I realized that they don't know any better. They don't, and so all of a sudden, she gets rebuked. That woman, that sinful woman gets rebuked. She's like, well, this waste. How dare you waste the perfume? That could have been given to the poor. And Jesus rebukes him. <laughs> and Jesus rebukes the men. Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> you know? And Jesus looks at them and he's like, this woman loves me more than all you combined. <laughs> She, she worships me better than all you guys. And, and, and I could just imagine what's going through the Pharisees' mind. You, you guys think this, oh, this woman, like, what disgusting worship. You know, like she's not wearing her nicest robes. You know, she's, she's, not, she, she doesn't, she's not playing a song right now. She's, she's not, she doesn't have the Torah in front of her. And Jesus is saying that this worship is far more real than yours. It's far better. It's worth so much more. Because I imagine what was going through that woman's head. Because I remember, I, I remember just thinking that just like Bartimaeus, that she probably went in a room because Jesus was coming. She, she knew Jesus was, Jesus was nearby. She went to her home, and she found the most expensive thing that she had. And she looked around, and she said, That's, she doesn't have much. So she's like, nope, nothing there, nothing there. Not. And she finds the perfume that is worth more than all of her possessions. <laughs> she brings it before Jesus, and she breaks it. She doesn't even care. She doesn't even think about how am I going to make the rent. I, I don't know. How, I, what, you know, she breaks it. And then people start rebuking her, saying, that's not worship. That's disgusting. What kind of woman does this? What kind of woman are you? And then, and then Jesus redeems her. Jesus lifts her up and tells everyone that this is worship. That this is worship. That this woman wants me more than all of you combined. And so she will be blessed. And because it is the pure, in heart, pure of heart that see God. It is the poor in spirit that inherit the kingdom. And this person that had nothing, that had nothing, but she gave him everything. And all of a sudden, she is the one that is exemplary in that story. And just like that, blind Bartimaeus, when he calls out to Jesus, this story is recorded as a symbol of faith. Because when you cannot see, because when people are telling you you are stupid, you are too crazy, you have to shut your mouth, you have to be quieter. You, and this, this religious jargon that says you're too much, you're doing too much for God, you're, doing, you're going too crazy, you're too radical. I, I tell them I'm in love and I cannot stop. And it looks dirty, it looks messy, and I can't do it as well as some people, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. And I'm not going to stop. And no one's going to silence me. No one's going to tell me to calm down. Because if Jesus is in front of me, and if Jesus is the one that I love, if Jesus is the one that I want, then I will do anything to get his attention. And I will do anything to be at his feet and listen to him and to love him just like Bartimaeus did. Because I want that miracle. If he is here today, I want him to touch me. If he is here today, I want him to reach out to me. If he is here today, I want the blessing and I'm not going home without it. Can I get an amen? Praise him. Let's get a. I want to. I want to end with this. I want to end with this. Oh, this is so exciting! I wish I had more time. But I, I want to say this: the people who are in love, they again, they don't. People who are in love are lost. People who are in in love, it's like all they see, all they see is the object of their affection. And they don't know better. 
they, they try to tell her, oh, this is, this is not how you worship. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to do something for Jesus. I, I didn't know. The children try to approach Jesus. They said no. And the children are like, oh, I just, can I just see Jesus? Bar, they rebuke Bartimaeus. And she's like, I just, I just want to be touched by Jesus. That's all they care about. That's all they see. You know, and I, and I realized this. That in my, in my religiosity or, or whatever the noun, religion, <laughs> religism, uh, whatever the noun form is, I, rem I remember thinking, what if the person I was when I met Jesus met me now? And it freaked me out. Because I, I remember thinking that, what, you know, like, what, what if the, the, the me now went back in time and, I, and, and with, my, with my great life wisdom and my ministry experience and I tell my old self, hey, don't be that crazy in worship. And I feel like my old self would tell, tell my new self, I'm sorry, I don't know any better. I just want to love God. My religious self went back in time to when I was serving youth ministry. And, and I remember how discouraged I was when, uh, you know, either a student will fall away or, you know, uh, I had, like, students who cussed me out and walked out of church, you know, like, that kind of thing. I imagine a religious version of myself going back, be like, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Don't be discouraged. It's okay if one person falls away, that's just reality. And, and although that's wisdom and I see, see the wisdom behind that, I think my old self would have responded, I'm sorry, I don't know any better. But I'm not stopping until every single one of them knows Jesus. You know, when, when I was a small group teacher, okay, this, this is going to sound insane, but I remember praying on my knees. And I would stay up, I would stay up like every, every night of the week, praying for every single kid on my roster, every single member of my house church by name. And I remember saying to God, the only way I will stop praying to you, Lord, is if I die, or if they die, or they get saved. <laughs> I said, that is the, those are the only three options that I have. I'm not going to stop. I still don't. My religious self would go back and say, you don't have to, you don't have to encounter God every time for it to be successful. And I'm not talking about success, like, like, like I, I just, you know, I want signs and wonders all the time. I, I, the religious self would tell, Say you don't have to meet God every time you pray. It, it could, you know, just, it, it, just, just calm down. Just, just stop being discouraged. You know, stop, stop, just stop being so crazy. You don't have to encounter God every time you come to church. Every time you have house church. Every time you have a prayer meeting. You don't have to do that. I feel like old self would tell me, "I'm sorry, I don't know any better." Because all I've ever wanted is Jesus. I'm here today to tell you guys. Oh God. <laughs> I knew I was going to get like this. But I'm here to tell you guys. Let's be people who in terms of religion don't know any better. Let's stop being professional at being Christian. Let's stop being so good at what we do. And we can fool the whole world but lose our soul. And we can fool everybody for the rest of our lives. But you've lost the thing that matters why you're doing all of this. The reason why. The reason why. All of this. Now I want to, I want to read you guys something. And um, I'm going to cry harder. Don't worry. It's normal. It's perfectly normal. <laughs> but, but when I'm like really low and when I'm discouraged, I read like how I, how I uplift myself sometimes. I, I read famous quotes by people I admire. And this is uh, by a guy named Count Zinzendorf. It's fun to say, you should try it. But uh, I mean, he was a leader of the Moravians. They, they were the first Protestant missionary organization. 
And this is his quote. He says, I have but one passion. It is he. It is he alone. The world is the field. And the field is the world. And from now on, that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. <laughs> I remember reading that. I just started to cry. Because I'm going to be honest before you guys. And there was a point where I just, I just said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And I don't just mean ministry. I mean sometimes I just want to stop being a Christian because it's so hard. Because it's so discouraging. Because I'm just trying my best to love God. And all I hear is complaints. And all I hear is people making fun. All I hear is people say this too much. You have to calm down. Whenever I go to God and I tell Him, it just reminds me that He's worthy. He was the only reason that I've ever done this. That I've, he's the only reason that I've ever needed to lead a small group. He's the only reason I've ever needed to preach a message. He's the only reason I've ever needed to go somewhere and to leave my home and to move. Because I want to tell you that Jesus is worthy. No one else in the world is. And no one else in the world can satisfy you like He can. And that is why I will live every single day for the rest of my life and use every single breath in my body to make sure everyone knows Jesus and to make sure that this world is filled with hunger for God. And so here I am to tell you guys, be hungry for the one thing that satisfies you every single day. Be hungry for Jesus Christ because He will never hang you out to dry and He is always with you. And just like Bartimaeus, I invite you to call on the name of Jesus until He answers because He is waiting for those who will not give up and those who, are, who will not be silent, those who will be undignified, those who will be crazy for Christ. And when He sees that person, He says, what do you want? What do you want? Let's all, let's all stand up.